you want to read your Bible, take it from there. It's on page 434, as well as on the screen. David's Prayer. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow, without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, beginning at verse 22. It can be found on page 1113 in the Church Bibles. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. 
and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he has made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two wonderful passages of the response of mankind to you, the response that you desire and call for. And on this, our Response Sunday, we ask that you would speak through my mouth, speak your words, that you would open our ears that we may hear you, and open our hearts that we might respond with integrity, with wholeheartedness, and with joy. Amen. Amen. Perhaps you'd like to um, take your Bibles again and turn back to the, uh, the reading from 1 Chronicles which I'm going to be uh, using extensively this morning. So 1 Chronicles 29, it's on page 434. Page 434, thank you very much. Well done. Page 434, 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 and following. Okay, you got it? Page 434. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. Well, last week we looked at the start of 1 Chronicles and we saw how God gave a vision to David and his son Solomon to build a glorious temple to God's glory as a, as a temple of a house of prayer for all nations. And we saw the resources that David had mustered for the building of that temple, for that project, and the way that God's people followed the lead of their king. 
And then, reading Acts 11, as we did, we saw how the early church had also received a vision, but this one to follow Christ faithfully into all the world, sharing the good news of forgiveness and living out their faith for him. And then we remembered that God has given us a vision too. Together, to build a contemporary house of prayer and worship and for Portsmouth and to follow him deeper and further. Well, today, we're reading the second section of 1 Chronicles 29, and we discover the response of David and his people to the vision of God's love that he has given. Well, here is King David, and he's surrounded by a hugely generous offering that's been given to him. He's in this flat space that he's proposing to build this incredible temple, and all around him are piles and piles of gold and silver and onyx and turquoise and all sorts of precious stones and gifts. Well, I've been asked to say that if you're planning to try and match the people of Israel and give 110 tons of gold, uh, could you please not bring them in plastic bags? And uh, don't please leave them on the dais here, otherwise you'll crush it. And uh, Janet, our cashier, would, could really do with a hand to get it all safely into the bank. You'd think that David's first response to such an incredibly generous offering, gift from his people, would be to say, guys, that's amazing. You have been so generous. You have done so well. That is incredible. Well done. Surprisingly, it isn't. That isn't David's first response. The generosity that he recognized first is God's generosity. It's God's generosity which has made all of this giving possible. We don't usually, usually think of that, but it's absolutely true. It's God who has created everything, the gold and the silver, the onyx and the turquoise. And it's God who has given these treasures to his people to share, and it's God who has given them the generosity with which to share it. As we think today about responding to God's vision, this is a very significant starting point for us. God created everything. Everything that you have, he created. You have a wallet made of leather, which he created. And in it, you've got money made of paper for the moment, the constituents of which he created. Or perhaps your money is in plastic, which he created. There's nothing that you have which is not created by God. As David says in verse 10, Praise be to you, O Lord our God, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. God has created everything for us. More than that, he owns it all. Verse 11, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. More than that, Everything that God has given, everything that you have has been given to you by God. He gave you the job and the skills to do it or the relationships that you have to receive the wealth that you've got. 
verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. Everything, verse 14, comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. And more than that, God has given you life, without which you couldn't have anything. And he's given life to those who pay you or pay for you. And he sustains you in your life so that you can enjoy what you have. Verse 12. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And more even than that, God has given you of himself in his Son. That through the Father's reconciling love and the Son's self-sacrificing suffering, you might receive relationship with God, which gives meaning to your possessions and enduring significance to the way that you use it. Without God's love, verse 15, we are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. And so, to our surprise, we find that the huge generosity of David's people isn't, in fact, a blessing to God. God doesn't need their giving at all. All they give is already his, and there's plenty more where that came from. And if there wasn't, he could just create some more. Verse 16. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for the building, for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Now, the generous giving of these people is a blessing to them. It brings them into intimate relationship, fellowship with God. It expresses their gratitude for his generosity. It gives them the privilege of partnering with God in his purposes. Verse 13, now our God, we give you thanks and praise you for your glorious name. My father loved DIY projects and I love to do them with him. I can remember him teaching me how to paint a door. Lots of gloss on your brush, long straight strokes down the door, and then very faint diagonal strokes to take out the long furrows going downwards and allow the gloss to flow smoothly and flatly. And then take out the little uh, dobs of, of the little drips of paint in the corners, and there you are. It was his paint that I was learning to paint with, and his paintbrush that I was wrecking. He could certainly have done a much better job than I was doing. But for some very strange reason, he enjoyed me doing it with him. Well, when I became a father, I discovered why. In the vicarage household, times can be hard. And some days, there isn't enough money to um, have that day out that you were all hoping for. And from time to time, one of my children would come to us with their greatly treasured pocket money and offer it to us for the family's use. Well, it was money that we'd given them anyway, and we'd only have to give them more. And it was such a small amount, it couldn't possibly make a difference to the plan that we had in mind. 
but it was given with love, generously, to be useful, an offering. And so it was incredibly precious to us, far more precious than the actual amount that had been offered to us. Our Heavenly Father doesn't need our gifts, but he loves to receive them. Paul says much the same to the Athenians. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and doesn't live in temples built by hands, and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. In fact, Paul goes a step further. The chief gift that God wants of us isn't money or possessions. It's our worship, our allegiance, our life. That's what Ellie and Alex and Annabelle last week and Chloe and Abigail the week before gave to Jesus in their baptisms themselves. Tragically, far from seeing money as a gift that God has given us, we can be tempted to see it as a God itself. We organize our life around it. We sacrifice our values and our families for it. We make it the top priority in our lives. That's idolatry. That's what Paul was saying. That's putting something else in the place of God. God used to be rather more sympathetic, Paul tells us, in the days when people didn't, have, uh, didn't know so much, when they were more ignorant. But now we have no excuse. In Christ, God has shown us the truth about himself, proving it through the resurrection and commanding all people everywhere to repent before the day that he has already set for judgment through his Son. We mustn't let that day catch us unawares. We must stop ignoring God, pushing him to arm's length, holding him away, putting something else like perhaps money in his place. If that's what you've been doing, please, please join Adam on his Alpha course. Find out more about Jesus. This would be by far the most important response that you could make today on this response Sunday making not money, but Jesus, your King. Of course, the best way to break the hold, the idolatrous hold that money has on us, is to give it away. And if you give it to King Jesus, then you demonstrate 
that he, and not money, is your boss, your king. And since Jesus himself gave so generously to us on the cross, it shouldn't be too much of a hardship for us to give generously back to him. It will reflect the quality of his giving to us, as David describes to us. Firstly, verse 17, David's giving, our giving, like Jesus' giving, should be with integrity. Verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. Jesus gave to us with integrity. Are we giving with integrity to him to fulfill his purposes and usher in his kingdom? Or are we giving in order to look good and to seem important? Are we giving what God has called us to give, proportionate to the blessings that he's poured on us, his generosity towards us? Or are we just giving loose change? Are we giving what we said? Or are we backtracking on our promises? Secondly, David says, our giving should be willingly. Verse 17, all these things I have given willingly. Are we grudging in our giving? Are we bamboozled by the preacher? Or are we giving willingly, freely, with glad, open hearts towards God? Thirdly, Paul says, sorry, David says, joyfully. Verse 17, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Are we joyful in our giving? Do we enjoy giving? Do we rejoice when other people give to our king as well? In fact, seeing Jesus as the king in this passage in 1 Chronicles 29 completely changes the whole meaning of the passage, 1 Chronicles 29. If Jesus is our king, not David, then he, far more than David, has already mustered all the resources that he needs to fulfill his vision through us. And he's given way beyond that the gold and the silver of his sacrifice, pouring it out for us in order to embellish this house of prayer and worship which he wants to build through us. It's Jesus, not David, who calls us to glorify the Father's generosity and to respond generously to him. It's Jesus who, seeing our generosity, gives thanks to God for enabling us to be blessed with this joy, the joy of giving, of sharing in God's work, and of seeing his vision come a day closer. Verse 17. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, says Jesus. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Do you want to give joy to King Jesus? How could you not? Well, your generosity gives him joy. Just as our children's generosity gives us joy, so he loves to see generosity to his father. That's what today's response day is all about. We offer to him willingly, with integrity, and with joy, the fruit of our lives. And it's Jesus who prays for us now. Verse 18, the prayer that King David pray, prays is the prayer of King Jesus 
for us, his people. O Lord God, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give their leaders the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees and to do everything to fulfill the vision for which I have provided. In fact, as my sabbatical begins tomorrow, and as I ask you to support your leaders, Jit and Andy and your church wardens, David and Philippa, I couldn't think of a better prayer to offer for you than this prayer of King David for his people, of King Jesus for his church. Let me pray for you. O Lord God, give these your people the courage and generosity to respond to your call. Keep the hearts of these your people loyal to you. And give them the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees. And to do everything necessary to fulfill the vision you have given to them and for which you have provided them with all these resources. And then, verse 20, the king, Jesus, said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord. They praised the God of their fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and before their king, Jesus. In 1 Chronicles, these words are the last words that King David is recorded as speaking to his people before he dies. Praise the Lord, your God. There could be no more fitting words for me to offer to you as I begin my sabbatical than these. Praise the Lord, your God. <laughs>